Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics, life and the Trump presidency. And before we start this episode, I'd like to draw everyone's attention to our new Not the New York Times offer, which we're offering to encourage readers to subscribe to The Spectator's US edition, which is excellent. I edit it. Uh, And the reason we're running the Not the New York Times offer is because we are very unlike the New York Times. I don't know if you're aware of this, but the famous newspaper, uh, the most famous newspaper that America has, recently hounded out one of its best editors uh, because the paper had published a slightly controversial article. Uh, The paper's staff, and bizarrely many of its readers, now demand total conformity of opinion in the opinion pages. We think that's very boring, and we want to tell America that the spectator is different. We are a magazine, not a newspaper, and we take a very different approach to journalism. We've been around longer than the Times, in fact, 23 years longer to be precise, and we encourage our writers to disagree with each other. We want arguments and we want people to disagree. It makes for much better reading. We also try not to take ourselves too seriously, and unlike the grey lady, as the New York Times is known, we never confuse the serious with the dull. We're new to America, and we want Americans to know what we're all about which is why we're offering this special Not The New York Times offer with 50% off the normal price. If you go to spectator.us forward slash not dash NYT dash and you enter the code N-O-T-N-Y-T, you will get 50% off the Spectator's US edition. Please take up the offer. I'm joined today by Nancy Rommelman, who is a journalist and author and who is currently in Portland at the moment. And we're going to be asking what on earth is happening in Portland. Because, Nancy, I mean, Brits may be a little bit aware of the fact that Portland is a sort of hive of protests. It's a, it's a big anti-far hotspot, I think. It seems to always, even before the latest riots, even before the George Floyd riots, it was always attracting a lot of um, tension between police and protesters. And now it seems to be on fire every day, as far as I can see. Literally on fire. Yes, every day. How bad is it? What's going on? Why is it Portland? Well, um, as we were talking about a little bit before we started, Portland is a very progressive city. It's a very young city. So you've got a lot of young people here who uh, still sort of want to, you know, live some sort of idealism, whatever you're going to call it for this particular generation. The Portland police and local government have had a pretty terrible and fractious relationship for about 12 years. The police have really had their hands tied Um, They're not allowed to arrest protesters, which is a a concept that becomes very elastic, especially when you've got a progressive government behind it. Like, what is a protester? Is it peaceful? Can they write on the walls? Can they break stuff? And it's just been sort of getting more and more that the police are not allowed to do, you know, what they would consider to be their jobs. After George Floyd was killed, like all over the world and many parts of the world and certainly in the U.S., there were protests, very, very, very strong. They started to direct a lot of their anger at one of the police buildings, graffitiing it, setting fires. I just wrote a a piece yesterday about a woman who was working in the basement and, you know, there's a fire and and how do you get out? Um, That's up on reason.com. And then Trump decided because the federal building next door to the police building was a target. It was getting graffitied. People were throwing things at it. And he decided that, you know, it's federal building. We have the mandate to go in and protect this building. I am not an expert on the law. I've read, you know, there are legal ways to do this and some of them were followed and some of them were not. And there's been overreach and there's been under training. 
But boy, was that red meat to the protesters. And now they're just like, oh, really? And they are just out there every night. And there was some sense, at least I was told, I just landed on the ground here last week because I live in New York City now, that the protests had kind of been maybe dying down a little bit. This horse is now out of the barn and they are going to keep showing up. And tonight, I think our curfew is starting again in town because they had it before because of coronavirus, which is on the rise in Portland. There is no way those people are staying home tonight. There's no way. Yeah. Well, tell, tell us a little bit about the mayor of Portland, Ted Wheeler, because he was in the news this week because he, he kind of he tried to get out there and he was really heckled quite badly. He was. You know, it's very interesting. The woman that I wrote about that was locked in the basement. She's like, you know, we're all everybody's for peaceful protest. Right. But, you know, one of the things there people are protesting is like you have to treat people fairly. You know, you can't indiscriminately attack people and you can't indiscriminately shoot people. But I mean, if you saw that video of the people physically confronting Ted Wheeler, that's pretty scary stuff. And I'm, you know, the tools that you sharpen will eventually be used on you. Now, I understand that Ted Wheeler is unpopular and he's unpopular, you know, for a lot of reasons. He's he's he hasn't been a strong mayor he has a, he's kind of over here. He's kind of over there. We hate the cops, but maybe we need the cops. It's just, it's not a good relationship, but the city has just decided he has to go and he may go. But I think the level of violence being shown to him is just, I don't think that it helps. I wish that they would have some conversations. You even had some people on the podium the other night when they were shouting, fuck Ted Wheeler, Wheeler sucks fed tit. I mean, they were just catcalling no matter what he said. They wouldn't even let him speak. And there was a guy, black guy, on the podium saying, you know, guys, audience, might be cool to actually, like, talk. No, no talking. It's like, okay, so then where are you going with this? I mean, it seems to me this, this in a way, is catnip to the Trump campaign, which desperately wants to portray these weak Democratic leaders sort of pathetically bowing in front of the mob and then still being persecuted by the mob. I agree. I mean, I, I, I'm no Trump fan, particularly. I think it, whatever was done here, I think, yes, some of it is for the optics. But, you know, there's just so much history and context that goes into why this city is where it is. And I, I'm not a fan of Ted Wheeler's, but it really isn't like just his fault. He's a weak leader. I will say that I think Portland would be better off taking care of its own, you know, cleaning its own side of the street. I don't think the federal presence here is going to create order. I I really don't. I mean, you've got, I actually had a really interesting Twitter private conversation yesterday with one of these young guys in the building, one of the federal officers. I won't obviously say his name, but he reached out to me because he thought I kind of had a sympathetic ear. I was like, I'm sympathetic to everybody, okay? We all put our, our pants one leg at a time. And he actually had to go home because of the absolute stress that these guys are under too. I mean, can you imagine you're like 22 years old and every night you're just like having to confront like 5,000 people who are just not like, they're just interested in destruction. Not all the protesters. There are actually peaceful protesters in Portland. I mean, I've seen them. I've been there. But the people that stay every night at the federal building, which what you're seeing in England, 
those are the between 200 and 1,000 people that stay after midnight and absolutely start antagonizing the building. They're shooting off fireworks. They're pointing high-powered lasers. They're ripping down the fences. And they're getting into physical confrontations with the federal officers. How does this go right? Who are these people? Is it a sort of combination of maybe sort of slightly gangstery elements with Antifa kind of guys who just like smashing stuff up? with actual radical ideologues? I don't have the exact answer to that. I've had several people say to me, they figure it's Antifa and it's some black block and it's some LARPers, you know, the live action role player kids that dress up like this and it's some hooligans. So for the LARPers, it's like a video game. Well, here's what I think. I think that young people often feel like they want a place to be, like they want to be accepted. They want to be part of a a group and they're pretty young and maybe they don't have like well-formed ideas yet, but they can put on a black bandana and they can go out there and they can kind of feel like I'm part of this thing. And I get that. But my question, and I've asked them this directly, it's like, okay, what is your thing? Like, I understand you can tear stuff down. Super easy. Like we all want to do demo. I'll go demo my kitchen. But it's harder to build a kitchen, right? And I would like to actually know what they're trying to build more than fuck the police. It's like, okay, and then what are you going to do after that? What are your ideas? And that's what I'm not sure that the people on the front lines there throwing stuff at the building every night have a really good grasp on yet. And sort of boring right-wing people like me often say that these children are obviously privileged. Do you get the sense that they're obviously privileged children here? You know, I think that there is definitely an element of that in Portland. They call, you know, the Trustafarians and then like, yeah, 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 we're going to go break crap down. And then they go, you know, stay at their mom's super nice house on the river or whatever. But I I have to tell you, I was at the uh, little um, park across from where all this is happening this morning. And there are a lot of like sad kind of like group home teenagers too, right? Now they've found a little bit of a family there. And, you know, if they, like someone said to me, like these kids are, they're here and they're like, I'll go up to the front lines. First of all, yay, I'm part of something. And second, nobody really gives a shit about me. My parents don't care. So what the fuck? So it's their Woodstock in a way. It's like their like generation moment. You know, it might be, but like Woodstock had some, maybe you had Nixon, right? And you had... I mean, you had the cohesiveness of the music. You had the Vietnam War to fight against. And I mean, there were things that, you know, I think you could be a little more informed about saying, like, why are we in Vietnam? Wow, look at these kids being burned with napalm. And I understand that people are against police brutality, and we all should be. But I I sometimes do feel there is an element here of just this sort of free-floating rage that becomes a little performative, but they also just feel so much a part of it. And, and that's going to get them there every night. How do federal forces fix that? I, I don't see it. I really don't. I mean, are they going to start shooting kids? I mean, certainly the, with earlier George Floyd riots, the National Guard were kind of deployed a bit late, but they did seem to be effective in shutting it down using not sort of that violent, but pretty, pretty heavy techniques, I'd say. Uh, it does seem to work to a certain extent, but you're on the ground there. You seem to think... Uh, Okay, so here's what's happening. The Portland police, I've been at the protests two nights, got super tear gassed the other night. There's some nice video of that uh, somewhere on Twitter, I think, on my feed. And the feds don't come out until 
until they're super provoked and you know the tear gas the people are just oh, I keep going back over to the front and then they start and then you know there's I don't know 20 of them 40 of them and then they disappear back into the building you've got thousands and thousands of people out there protesters um I have not seen one Portland police officer not one and I mean there's obviously some plain clothes ones I'm sure but the Portland police are not doing anything to stop this all right they're not because both because their hands are tied and because who knows peak i don't know so and i have not seen any national guard i don't think we have the national guard here i could be wrong so they are not creating order all they're creating it feels like groundhog's day it's just every night so which forces are you seeing then what, what are the police only the feds that are inside it's the federal forces and there's i guess some like Border Patrol and DHS, like, uh, but they're all pretty armed. And, you know, from my understanding, and again, I am just not the expert on here, this real, really, and not shockingly with Trump, who can sometimes make some quick decisions that make he thinks will make him look good, um, it wasn't rolled out very well. And I think we're seeing that because how many nights are they going to do this? I, I talked to a guy today, a guy who had a graffiti removal business, and he said, you know what? It's summer. There's still COVID. People are underemployed, especially young people who, you know, they've lost all their service industry jobs. He said, I think this is going to go on through the first of the year. But presume, that's quite an interesting business to be in. Presumably, he thinks it's boom. It's going to be boom times, right? It is boom times. He, haven't had, he hasn't had a day off. But he said, you know, Nancy, we have other things that we could be, like, we have art that we could go be protecting at the art museum. Like, as a, I have a business. I have however many trucks. Like, I don't need, like, I'm still in business if I don't have to come here every night, you know, or every morning. So. <laughs> but it is, odd that, I mean, in other protests, we saw it a bit in London when the, when the Black Lives Matter protests came to London. There's a sort of responsible brigade of the protesters who kind of they try and tamp down the violence. They, they try and clean up after people. They're very sort of, I'd say, progressive in, in their politics, but they are also very, very keen to sort of protect the image of the protest. Do you see a lot of those guys? You know, I, I will tell you, I had a piece that posted last night at Reason. People can go see that. And it, I was at the, I was like over by the front of the building. It was around midnight the other night. And there was a beautiful, wow, lovely young girl, black girl and her friend. And she was staying to these guys that were setting fires. Stop setting fires. Stop it. Stop it. They're going. Do you want them to shoot us? Like she was saying, like, guys, this is not the way to go. And so I stopped them. I talked to her and I talked to the guy. They're like, we come out here. We try to tell them. And if you can get them like at two or three at a time and say, listen, there's better ways to do this. Don't just keep provoking. People will go like, yeah, yeah, that sounds right. And then boom, 50 more people and off it goes again. In terms of like the peacekeepers or like the grownups in the room, I'm sure that there are. I mean, there have to be. But man, if you look at that Ted Wheeler video the other day, those are grownups scratching at him and pushing him. And he's just, it's like, I'm sorry. It's not just that he's an, uh, an elected official. I mean, sure, that's bad. You should respect people, but you should respect anyone. I mean, if you were, if you saw your mother doing this, you'd be like, Mom, what is going on here? It also leads to the question, what do they want now at this stage? Because it, is, it, is it still about Black Lives Matter? Is it, still, is it still about George Floyd? It feels like it's come a long way from there, and it's now about tearing down something bigger. I 
spoke to a guy this morning, young black guy, and he said to me, you know, there's a lot of people out here. Portland is like 6% black and you know, whatever, fine. The different cities of all the different times. He said, you know, a lot of people that are out here, they're shouting black lives matter, but that's not really why they're here. He said, I would love it if they shouted what they were really here for. What are they really here for? I think they want their seat at the table, whatever that seat means. Is it progressivism? Is it, you know, some sort of rights that they don't feel that they have? I don't know what those are. I, I honestly don't. And I, they're going to get Wheeler out of there. It's, it's going to happen. And they may, they may hand by hand tear down that federal building. But what do they build? What are they building? They don't seem to be building anything. And in fact, what they might be doing in, we saw it a little bit in Seattle, you know, people are actually leaving. Like people don't want to live in towns where there's violence and disorder, right? Well, it was a complicated reason why I left Portland last year. And I also just wanted to get back to New York City where I'm from. But, oh, I I spoke to several friends last last night and they were like, oh, I, I just want to get the hell out of here. I mean, Portland is beautiful. But the the tenor of it right now is not beautiful. It's not. And they're getting a louder and louder uh, voice at the table. You know, there's a five city council people and things will change. And, you know, what you're allowed to do and what you're allowed to say and what you're allowed to cook. You know, all the restaurants are calling each other out for cultural appropriation and everything's shutting down. It's like, it, guys, like, it's, it's, it, this is like you're taking the savor out of life here. Is cannabis fully legalized in Poland? I think so. I'm not an imbiber myself, but I think so. Well, n- neither am I. And I and I tend to think that every town, major town where it's become fully legal has had quite a lot of problems. <laughs> and I know you're probably more of a libertarian than I am. And, I, and you know, and in a way, I'm all for people doing whatever they want to do. But it does seem that, like, the legalization of cannabis has just made everybody go completely crazy. I mean, I find it hard to believe, or I usually find it hard to believe that like grownups are actually smoking a lot of pot, but apparently they are. I mean, even people I know, I'm like, really? Okay. Yeah, I have no idea what kind of utopia you can build on weed, but what do I know? It, does, it doesn't seem to be, there doesn't seem to be one in Portland at the moment. <laughs> no, no. Well, Nancy, thank you so much for joining us. And I hope you'll join us again. But uh, yeah, stay safe and uh, don't get gassed again. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Americano. And I'd like to encourage you all to give us your feedback, positive comments or constructive comments only, please, to podcast at spectator.co.uk and say anything you like there as long as it's reasonably polite. (laughs) 